0: amen Uh, we have this morning a special guest speaker we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now want to mention as we've said that there will be a special offering later in the service for our special guest Uh, and if uh, if things happen and the service goes a little bit longer I know some of you have commitments and need to get to jobs or whatever but don't be surprised if there is an usher standing at the door um, blocking your way with an offering basket just letting you know okay sorry uh Kurt Wilson has uh ministered in Heidi Baker's schools of of healing he's ministered in places all over the world really but is based here in St. Louis and uh Kurt did tell me that on the way down, he felt like he was coming home because he actually lived in Hillsborough early in life, graduated from Hillsborough High School and went to Jeffco. So we're kind of welcoming one of our own here this morning. Would you give a good welcome to Kurt Wilson? Yeah, I was
1: like, wow, Hillsboro's on the move. There's a Dollar General now. I was like, what is, what is going on here? But um, it's it's good to be with you this morning. My wife and my kids, I have a, a f- almost five-year-old and almost two-year-old five-year-old son in a March two-year-old daughter in January. They send their love, but we've just had two nights of conference at our church, and so that's been full-on. So they're at home resting, kind of a little bit under the weather this morning. But we try to do a ministry as a family and do missions as a family. I'm gonna try to give you a brief introduction to who i am because if i tell you really what i do and and all the things that i do you'll spend the whole time trying to figure out how does any of that make sense and you won't hear anything i have to say from god today because you're like that doesn't make sense what he's talking about so uh yeah i I went to hillsborough from you know kindergarten all the way through high school and then decided that wasn't enough and went to jeffco for a couple years and got a degree in general studies i studied every type of appreciation there was. Film, music, art, I appreciate everything. Appreciate it all. And then I went off to uh, Bolivar, Missouri, to Southwest Baptist University and got a degree in missions because at 18 God called me into missions and I had no idea what that looked like. Uh, I knew I didn't want to be a pastor because I thought that meant you sat in an office and you didn't care about people. You just studied the word and then that you delivered a message and then you didn't really love people. You didn't get out. You didn't I know it was a bad impression, but that, that's what I felt. So I'm going to do missions. I'm going to go help people. And since that day and since saying yes to Jesus, and in fact, my first mission trip was when I was 13 years old. I went all the way from Cedar Hill, Missouri to Herculaneum. So, and, and we stayed there for a week and did a vacation Bible school in Herculaneum, of all places. That was my first mission trip where God... Began to use me, and I was like, wow, God, you could actually do something with my life. Uh, Here I am a number of years later, been to over probably 20 countries. Uh, My wife and I have been married, we'll be married 13 years in March, and together we've traveled. Our kids have been to Africa as many times as their age. So my son's been four times, and my daughter's been twice. And so we're that crazy family in the airport that the kids are just completely lost it after you travel 40 hours. There's no hope. There's no anything. They're going to scream on the plane. They're not going to be happy. It's all going to be okay. So if you ever travel with that family, just give them some grace because they're doing everything they can and there's nothing left they can do. So uh, currently I live in South St. Louis, about 10 minutes from downtown. Uh, We have a house there. It's our missions base. And as Tom said, and I I want to say thank you to the uh, the elders and the team here and the church for having me this morning and allowing me to come. It's an honor to be here. Uh, we have we have a missions base there, and we just try to love our neighbors uh, and try to live out things that we've learned as we've traveled in the nations of what do we learn in Africa that we can live out in St. Louis. And we, we live, my wife and my family and I, we live by faith as missionaries in St. Louis the same way anyone would that gets called to India or China or Africa. We live the same way by faith trust God, believe God, go after the things God has placed in our hearts. I've worn about every title there is, pastor, church planner, youth pastor, missionary, all of them. They're all fun, but Jesus is really the only thing that matters, and that's the only thing that should uh, define us. Yes, we do these functions and these roles. My heart beats for what Jesus' heart beats for, and that's John 17, unity among the churches. And so that is the way that I'm operating right now all across the region and the, the city of St. Louis. So I'm a part of a church that planted about a year ago. Uh, we meet in, in downtown St. Louis, and God is doing amazing things through that. And I just got back from South Africa on Monday. So I was there nine days in, at a missions training school and training up people from like 20 nations, about 70 people to go out and do whatever God's called them to do, wherever he's called them to do it. Um, with with love and with power and with the Holy Spirit and with the gospel and and all those things. So my life is complicated, but I love it. And I never know if I'm coming or going, and I never know what direction I'm going, but I just try to follow Jesus and Holy Spirit in in the midst of it all. So that's the shortest possible version of who I am and what I do. And if you're confused later, please ask me questions when we're done, and I can fill in the details because there's a lot. But today I I felt like... as I was seeking God for, for you, and I was seeking God to come speak to you this morning, there's messages I preach, but I never like just to come preach a message. I, I, I want to give you the word of God for this house, for this day, for this season, for you, an in-season thing. And I, I felt like Holy Spirit was saying that it's time to get with the program. And when you think about program, every church, you know, you guys have been in First 1 Corinthians 12, And he talks about the body having all these different parts, and they're all supposed to be for each other, and they're all supposed to work together. Well, what I've seen in churches, churches usually all want to do the same stuff, and then the one church wants to do it better than the other church, so people will go there, and then everyone's trying to figure out, like, oh, they got that program. Oh, we need that program. They're reaching these people. We need to reach that group of people. We're not reaching those people. And everyone's fighting to be the foot, and there's no other parts of the body, and everyone wants to do it the same. So this morning when I say get with the program, I'm not talking about just just do man's ideas. It's what what has Holy Spirit said and what is Holy Spirit leading on on this people in this room and on this house and on this church for this region. In such a time as this. You know, in my life I was sitting in a meeting in February of this year. And God has been stirring within me all these ideas for prayer. And I've been praying for a long time. It was beautiful to have prayer like this in the service and pray for different things. I've been praying for a really long time, and uh, most of the times by myself, I thought people would show up. I thought people would want to pray. Turns out they like to think about praying, talk about praying, but when it comes to praying, it's a whole different thing. (laughs) And so I was in this meeting, and God had had given me this vision of how we're going to pray all across the city of the region of St. Louis, and we're going to pray in these different neighborhoods. And I was sitting in a meeting with some other pastors and leaders that we meet monthly because we want to work together, we want to see the body of Christ unified, and he didn't say these words, but my friend basically looked at me and and told me, and not these words, but he was saying to me, Kurt, get with the program. Well, God's placed in your heart, you need to do that now. You, You don't need to wait, you don't need to figure it out, you don't need to have all the resources, it doesn't need all to make sense, but you need to get with the program and you need to do this now. This is something you need to step out and go after. And when I think about someone like that who who had been talked about for a long time, who was full of the spirit this morning I'm going to try to give you a little of my life and how the Holy Spirit works through me to be on mission. but I'm also going to talk about one of the one of the fun ones for me that's John the Baptist, because he 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 was a wild one he didn't talk the same, he didn't dress the same he decided to that that it was best, because Jesus said it was best, to start a ministry in the wilderness. Now I know you guys are in Hillsborough and it's not the wilderness, but I'm sure there's times you feel like, what are we doing out here in the wilderness and how is God going to use us out here? <laughs> but John the Baptist, and we know the, the story, but I'm going to read Mark 1, 1 through 8, just to read part of the story, then we're going to jump into this a little bit if that's okay with you guys. Because I think Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you guys have been talking about it for a while, but I think he actually wants you to take those gifts that you're becoming aware of and do something with them and be the part of the body that he's called you to be. So, John the Baptist, Mark 1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began, just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Now here's what I love in verse 5 because it makes no sense. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. When they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate, locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." So here's John the Baptist in the wilderness. A, a voice, it seems so foolish. He's he's crying out to prepare the way for Jesus. And you think Jesus would have a better plan than to have a guy dressed up in camel hair, eating locusts and honey, out in the wilderness where no one is, not in the city where all the people are, and he's going to prepare the way for the Savior, and somehow that's going to work. Somehow that's going to make sense. Somehow people are going to begin to come from all around and everywhere to hear this man cuz he's actually got something to say. That this this does not make sense. If we sat down today and planned it, we wouldn't plan it this way. We would we would wrestle with Jesus in a board meeting for about 3 hours how this was the wrong way. Please don't do this. Can we pray a little longer? Can we talk a little longer? Can we strategize a little longer? Can we figure it out? Can we do something cuz this isn't the way. <laughs> And here John the Baptist is, he, he, he's out there and he's, he's crying out and he's being a voice and he's being obedient. I got to think it's kind of lonely. <laughs> and I got to think like, is this even going to work? You know how many times in my life Jesus asked me to do stuff and I'm like, oh, not, not again. This, this is, there's no way this is going to work. He, he asked me to pray and lead a prayer gathering for a year. Out, out, out of turmoil in our streets a couple years ago. And I thought the body of Christ would come together and we would pray and it would be amazing. I even, I even had scripture. I had a T-shirt. I, I had the name for it. I, I had the revival history of 160 years ago in New York. I had it all and I thought people were going to come and pastors were going to come and we're going to unite the churches. And we prayed every week for a year and we had, I don't want you guys to fall out of your chairs, but we had about five people come. Not 50, not 500, not all these people. And we just did it because Jesus asked us to do it. And here it is. I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness that the city is going to change and the region is going to change. And I'm looking around and nothing's changing. <laughs> not even, there's no new people coming. No one's coming to pray. No one seems to care. And I'm like, Jesus, this is the weirdest thing that you're having me do this because. It was a good idea like four weeks ago, but on week five when no one shows up, this seems like a failure. <laughs> I'm just out here making noise and no one's listening. And I'm not even sure if you're answering my prayers. <laughs> you ever feel that way? It's like, what, what, what are what are we doing, God? What do you want us to do? And how could you even use us? How, how could we be that voice in the wilderness? And John the Baptist is crying out. This year I've, I feel like John the Baptist because after we prayed for a year and no one showed up, I was like, Okay, God, what do you want us to do now? And then he Holy Spirit speaks, you know. Like we want him to speak, but then we gotta listen, that's the hard part. Then we gotta do what he says, and that's not the fun part, and you know. And then when it's weird, it's weird. So Holy Spirit's like, Okay, you prayed in a building for one year and you did that. Now I actually want you to go pray through every neighborhood of St. Louis. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I I wonder how many there are. Like, I don't even know. So I had to look it up. There's 79 different neighborhoods. I'm like, oh, man, it could have been like 30 would have been nice. Why is there 79 neighborhoods? That's a lot. And he told me to do this in the dead of winter. I mean, doesn't Jesus know what kind of climate he created in St. Louis, Missouri, that we get all four seasons in one day. And that to go start praying through the neighborhoods in the winter just seems like foolishness in in the wilderness. And and it seems like I'm not even going to get to talk to people because it's going to be freezing and no one's going to want to see me. And so that's what I've been doing this year, is every week we would pray through five different neighborhoods in the city of St. Louis, crying out in the wilderness because Holy Spirit asked us to do it. I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. And I know you guys never meet here and discuss things and figure it out and just wonder, like, God, what, what do you have for our church? What do you have for this season? What, where are you leading us, God? What do you want us to do? And I'm sure you guys all walk out and it all makes sense. So I need to hang out with you more. But in my life, everything Jesus asks me to do just continues to, like, not make sense. But if it made sense, we wouldn't have to walk by faith. We could walk by sight. And I can walk by sight with the best of them. I've done it. I did it for years. It's not too fun, though. A lot of churches, a lot of believers are walking by sight, but God's called us to walk by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. You can't even please him without faith. And we're supposed to walk by faith. Well, eventually, I love what happens in this story with John the Baptist. All of a sudden, he's out in the wilderness, and he's not going to people to To the conference to proclaim his ministry and, hey, I'm John the Baptist and I'm out here in the wilderness and things are going great. And all of a sudden, people hear and they come to him. They go to the unlikely places. They come from all over to see what is going on. They got to figure out what's going on. And eventually, because the church is always a little bit slow, the religious leaders of the day say, we got to figure out what's going on. Who is this guy? We got to go out and see who this is. He's causing a lot of a racket, a lot of commotion. People are going. They're not getting with our program. They're with his program. we got to make sure it's okay. He's weird. His diet's wrong. We, we didn't, you know, the, the Jewish leaders didn't sit down to plant John the Baptist's ministry in the wilderness. It wasn't on their agenda, but it was on Jesus' agenda. And there's something different about what's on Jesus' agenda versus just the church's agenda. Because Holy Spirit just does things in different ways because then Jesus gets the glory when it's so unusual, and it's so different, and it's just so out of the box. And the beauty about the gifts in the body from 1 Corinthians 12 is actually it's not the ones that we think are, are, are the greatest are the greatest. He said the ones with less honor actually get, get elevated and we cover them even more, and that the gifts are actually for each other. What would it look like for the body to begin to be the body. And it was beautiful. You prayed for the Lutheran church this morning, for, for their leaders and, and, and for their pastors. I've had this dream for so long that churches would just be who God called them to be and not try to be everything. If you're good at prayer, do prayer. If you're good at worship, do worship. If you're good at evangelism, do evangelism. If you're good at mission, do that. If you're good at reaching single moms, do that. If you're good at reaching kids, do that. Just do whatever God's called you to do and bless the other people to do the same. And if people go somewhere else and get fed, it's, it's amazing. We want people to know Jesus. So in John 1, 19, finally, he's out there crying out in the wilderness. And these religious leader comes, and this is what happens. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? <laughs> like, who are you, and why are you doing what you're doing? We we got to know who you are. We we've sent people along the way, and we got to figure out who you are. And, and there's this thing when when you're filled with the Spirit, when you're operating in the gifts of the Spirit, when you're called to be who you're called to be. All of a sudden, people are going to show up because the presence of God is a, attracting, it's appealing, it's it's a, it's alive. And then people want to know who you are, and then they want to put you in some kind of category or some kind of box that they understand. <laughs> recently i was again crying out in the wilderness uh, in our region there's just been so many homicides this summer of teenagers and i you know i'm not the the highest man on the totem pole or whatever you want to say but i just felt in my spirit enough's enough and i'm going to cry out and i'm going to do something so we led a prayer gathering on the in this neighborhood on the street corner every day from 6 for a week every morning from 6.30 to 7.30. And I called people to fast. That People don't like that one. And I called them to pray, and I called them to pray not in a building but on the street where people would see them. So for me, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I prayed for a year. Do you not remember? No one showed up in a building with heating and cooling and water to drink and toilets and comfort. And you're saying, go to the street corner And pray there from 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning for a week, and that's going to do something. That's going to make sense. And on top of that, that weekend, I started on a Tuesday, but that weekend was Labor Day weekend. And I wanted to have a conversation with Jesus and Holy Spirit again that don't you know Labor Day weekend in America is not a good time to pray on the street because people are doing stuff. They've been working all year. This is the one day they get a three-day weekend, and they're not going to want to hang out praying on the street with some person they may or may not know, which is me. But how many know that obedience is better than sacrifice? And so I've learned that whatever Jesus asks me to do and his presence on me and the gifts he's given me, that I'm going to do it even if I'm the only one. And I've learned that I don't have to have everyone behind me to do it because it tests your character that you'll actually do what he called you to do when no one's watching. And so that's what we did. We went out on that street corner, and we took a Bluetooth speaker, and we put on worship as loud as we could in the morning, and we prayed. And much to my surprise, on day one, when we gathered on that street corner, all of a sudden I heard all these car doors opening and shutting, And 16 people, half of which I didn't know, came out to pray with me that morning. And it was like, God, this doesn't make sense. I had a building. I had the thing. I had the stuff. I had the T-shirt. I had the name. I had the plan. Nothing. Now I'm on a street corner. People are scared to pray in buildings. We're like praying like on our knees on the sidewalk. And 16 people show up. But Jesus knows what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, if we'll follow him where he wants us to go. I didn't didn't have a book to read to tell me this was a good idea. I couldn't call a ministry leader that's done it before. I was just this crazy in the wilderness. God spoke, heard his voice, gifted by his presence to go do it. On day number two, all summer there had been 12 uh, teenage homicides in our city. And there had been no one charged, no one convicted, no one found in any of the cases. But on day two of us praying, there was a man charged in that case on that street where we were praying. Now, what if I don't listen to God and what if I don't go and what if the other people don't go and what if we don't pray? I don't know. But I know what happened when we did what Holy Spirit said to do when he said get with the program. It doesn't make sense. It's different than what I've done before, but I'm going to go out. And I'm going to pray on that street corner. For We did that for seven days. On the sixth day, it was Labor Day morning. So I I get up, and I'm prepared to go there, and there's going to be no one. Like, it's going to be me, and that's okay. Fourteen people showed up on Labor Day morning when they could have been sleeping. Some drove as far as an hour, which meant they left their house at 530 in the morning to get there at 630 to come pray with us. I want to encourage you, when you get with God's program filled with his Holy Spirit, equipped with his gifts, working together, you don't know what's possible when it doesn't make sense. You, you don't know what he'll do with that. After, after that, you know, that was, we ended that and we began to pray some other places and it was weird because it was like God did stuff but it felt like more people should care about what God was doing. And I got asked to go speak at this missions course out in St. Peter's. And I, I went, and I got to talk about prayer for eight minutes, and then I got to pray for eight minutes. And when I left, again, it was one of those weird things like, God, what am I doing? Like, I, it feels like I'm not with your program. I'm not doing what you want. And I left there, and my family had actually been out of town for two weeks and had got back that morning. So I wanted to see my family. I, they, you know, they were going to go to, my kids were going to go to bed before I got back home because it's kind of a far drive. I left and I, 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 after I presented, there was a speaker. He spoke and I waited for people to talk to me about these ideas with prayer that God was giving me. And only two people did out of 50. And the one person that did said, Hey, I, I, I want to get behind what you're doing, but I've been scared of St. Louis for 23 years. But I'll bring my grandson on the day that you're going to do this prayer event. So that was encouraging on one hand that she was actually going to do something she'd never done, but on the other hand it was discouraging that people – are scared, and they're fearful, and they, they don't want to come be a part of what God's doing because of these man-made boundaries and regions, because I believe Jesus wants to pour out his spirit all across the region, which is every county, it's Jefferson County, it's Franklin County, it's St. Louis County, it's St. Louis City, that he's not going to stop from one place, that it's not going to be at one church, but God wants to move as he unites people. So I left really, really defeated, <laughs> and really like, what in the world just happened, but after that, I, I got home and woke up the next day and I checked my email. Well, in my email, I had an inquiry. It said KMOV4 inquiry. And I don't know what your evening news choice is, whether you're a Channel 5 or you're a Fox 2 or if you're a Channel 4. Um, but I had an inquiry from a reporter saying, I've heard you've been praying through all these 79 neighborhoods. I'd like to talk to you. Now, what you got to know is I've I felt like John the Baptist in the wilderness where I'm walking in what God's asked me to do. I'm doing what the Holy Spirit's asked me to do, and no one cares. Like, we're out there when it's cold. We're out there when it's hot. Just me and a few friends walking through these neighborhoods. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're praying for. We don't even have a scripture we're praying over every neighborhood. We don't have it all together is what I'm trying to say. We'll see abandoned buildings. We pray that God would bring life and business. We see schools. We pray that Uh, students will get education, and that will be a place of peace. We see parks. We pray that there will be no prostitution and drugs and guns and that families will be able to go in these parks. Like, we don't have, like, thus says the Lord from this scripture that we pray over everything. So we don't know what we're doing, but we're out there and we're going because that's what God's asked us to do. No one's paying attention. Nothing's happening. It's not exciting. Week after week we go. All of a sudden I get this inquiry from this reporter and she says, "I'd like to talk to you about it." So that was on a Tuesday. Finally, on Thursday, we were able to talk on the phone. And she was asking me, "What are you, What are you doing?" Like, she was asking me what they were asking John the Baptist, like, "Who are you?" <laughs> See, when you actually do what God's called you to do, and it's so unique because it's 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 for you in this season. People want to know, like, "Who are you?" Y- you're not just doing everything everyone else is doing. And so I just said, "Hey, we're praying through all the neighborhoods," and. We're, we're working for a day where we'd actually fill the streets with prayer at the exact same time across all the neighborhoods of our whole city is what we want to see happen. So I've been like Joshua and Caleb, scouting the land because God said he promised it to them, but I'm not going to go see the grasshoppers. I'm actually going to go see what he's called us to see and call the people over into the promised land of what God wants to do in our region. And so we're talking on the phone, and she says, did you know a 3-year-old was shot today? And I said, no. And about five minutes later, she says, hey, I'm listening to you, but I just found out that three-year-old boy died today. And she was just heartbroken, and obviously I was too. She said, I'm going into a meeting with my editors at 2 o'clock. I want to do this story tonight about what you're doing to fight back with prayer. By 3 o'clock, I'll call you, and if, if they say we can do it, I'll be at your house this afternoon. So at two, I'm, I'm like freaking out, Right. Because i just been John the Baptist in the wilderness. No one knows who I am. I'm just crying out before God. I'm just following what Holy Spirit has, has placed on my life. I'm, uh, I'm walking in the gifts that he's, he's given me, which I could preach for days about how long a journey that's been to be able to be comfortable to be me and not have to be someone else. I think that's why many of us never step out and do what God's called us to be because we don't see the same value as what someone else is called to do. And so we're always like, well, I'm not going to do my thing because what you're doing is actually more valuable. We, we put different gifts on a pedestal. You know, we have like this Mount Rushmore of gifts. Well, those are the four main gifts that, you know, we elevate in the body. But how many know, like, you stub your big toe, you realize, hey, I need that big toe to do something when I walk. And I can't walk the way I need to walk if, if that part is not in the way it needs to be. So at 2.50, I get a phone call, and she said, when can we be at your house? And I'm, like, freaking out because I'm, like, oh, I'm going on the news. I need a haircut. Like, I'm I'm not ready for the news. What am I going to say? Like, what's she going to ask me? Is she just going to say, oh, this pastor is praying and more people are dying and it's just getting worse and he's foolish. And I'm, like, I don't know what's going on, Jesus. I I just don't want to be seen. I don't want I who, who am I? What? Am? And I'm just, like, and I said, well, uh, how about 3.30? So I gave myself, like, 40 minutes to pull it together. So she shows up. In my neighborhood, her and a cameraman. We go down to the park. We're down there, and we. And she gets out the car, and we're talking. And she goes, "Hey, I, I went on my first mission trip to India this summer." And I'm like, "Oh, she's a believer." I'm like, "She'll probably do the story uh, some justice." She said, "I got baptized in India." I'm like, "Oh, come on." I said, "Where do you go to church?" And she told me the church. And it's actually the church building that this church bought of where I used to pastor, where this church closed its doors about a year ago. And she's like, I'm actually going to be there Saturday getting the building ready. So what are the chances of that? That any reporter across the news stations, that her sister says, hey, there's this guy who you don't know, who you've never heard of, praying in all these neighborhoods, and you should talk to him. In fact, she told me, she said, my sister gives me ideas all the time. None of them have been good. I've done none of the stories. But this one, I think there's something about this one I should do. So then we, we interview for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, man, at least this is going pretty well. And then we go in my house and I show her more things. And, but then I'm still like, they're not going to put me on the news. I'm like, I'm going to be on at 10.58 and 30 seconds. You know, and it's going to be like a quick thing. So I'm afraid to tell anyone that I'm supposed to be on the news. So that evening, about 7, she texts me and says, hey, you said this line in the story, but could I change it to this? I don't want to change your words, but I want to do this story justice. So that night at 10 o'clock, which you guys are going to find this even the best part of it all, Jesus has a way of keeping you humble, even when he, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. But even when he elevates you to be to be used by him, he's still like, he's still got you. So this summer, we were gone for 13 weeks doing missions, the whole family. When we got home, our TV antenna didn't work. You know, it's one of those put in the window, hold your mouth just right, hope you get the signal. Well, it didn't work, so we... We didn't have Channel 4 to watch the news story. So we went to the store to buy a new antenna, and we hooked it up. But wouldn't you know, it would only get Channel 11 and Channel 2. It wouldn't get Channel 4. So I'm a missionary, and we're resourceful, and we're going to find a way where there is no way with whatever we got. So I called my pastor, and I said, hey, are you going to watch the story? He said, yes. I said, all right, you're going to FaceTime the TV, and I'm going to FaceTime into you, which is just video call on his phone. So he's putting his phone to the TV, and I'm watching myself on the news through my phone to his phone to the TV so I can actually see what they're going to say and how they're going to make this story work or not work. So in my big moment of whatever, finally not in the wilderness, finally crying out, I'm watching this thing on a phone to a phone to a TV to try to see what's going to happen. So it's really glamorous, really, really exciting for my... Three minutes of fame. But we we worked it out on the computer so we didn't have to do that, which was nice. So we watched the story, and that night on the 10 o'clock news, they talk about the two homicides, and they say local pastor fights back, and they share the story of how we've been praying. And they actually, on the news, declare that next March 14th, this crazy vision God has given us, that we would have 79 neighborhood churches be host locations, and we would have 2,000 people across the whole region of St. Louis sign up to go prayer walk on location in every neighborhood at the exact same time. KMOV4 said, yeah, and all this that's happening is leading to March 14th for pray. We're calling it Pray for the Lou because the Lou's the nickname for St. Louis. It's on March 14th because 314 is the area code, so we're just doing some fun stuff to make people remember. They said, on March 14th next year, this is all leading to pray for the Lou day. And I was just like, I was a mess. I was crying. And the, here's another part of the plan. My plan, I know you guys never have plans that you want to work and you want it all to work and you try to figure it out and you try to make it happen and you read books about it and you do all these things. They released this video on September 12th my plan on september 14th was going to be six months before the event i was going to make some nice little video for facebook to put out there so everyone would know about this thing we're doing it sounded like a good plan it's my plan it's six months before but god had a different plan that somehow after crying out in the wilderness all year long through all 79 neighborhoods and praying when it didn't make sense and praying when people didn't show up, and praying on the street corner when it, it's like, what are we doing, that he would ruin my plan and put me on the news two days before I was supposed to tell anyone about this big thing. So I'm kind of glad he did. And I know I'm joking about it this morning. But God wants us, Jesus wants us to be so close to him that our hands are just open. And when he places gifts and things in them, that we don't even care about that, but we care about him. We we can care about the gifts so much. I used to want all the gifts and cry out to God, God, I need the gifts, and I want the gifts. But how many know, like, the gift means a lot more when you're in the love in love with the one who gave it to you? I mean, my kids love gifts, but <laughs> hopefully they love me too, <laughs> you know? And if, and if it just amazes me how we get so caught up in the gift. You know, if if someone walked in here today and was going to give one of you guys a, a new car, and one of you guys a new house, and one of you guys a new boat or something, and and he chose how to how to do that, and which one needed what, and you you received that, you know, you didn't do anything to get that gift. It, it was the person that that gave the gift, and it, you know, people can give gifts without love. You know that. They can give him for all sorts of motivations. But our Father gives good gifts so we can be the body. We can be who he's called us to be. We can reflect Jesus. We can actually do what we're supposed to do. And if we think we can do it without what he's given us to do it, we're not going to get very far. And I know you guys are a people that want to see Jesus move. You want to see Jesus move in your life. You want to see Jesus move in this region. You want to see churches united. I mean, I know this is, Tom's heartbeat to see churches united. If me and him could get together long enough and we lock ourselves in a room, we're still not going to come out with a plan of how to, how to unite churches in this region other than Jesus having to do it by his Holy Spirit. We could sit. We could strategize. We could read every book. We could get every resource. We could try to figure it out. We could call the most influential people. But unless his Holy Spirit moves, and he, unless the, the ones in the wilderness that, that all of a sudden aren't in the wilderness and God uses you, and all of a sudden you went from praying and no one was watching to all of a sudden you're on the news because Jesus knows what he's doing. Now, let me say it this way. You know how many times I wanted to quit along the way? Every day. Every day, especially when you're trying to do prayer and unity. There's no glamour in it. There's no glory in it. There's no roadmap for it. Pastors don't even want to talk about it. They have to build their kingdom. They don't want to build the kingdom of God. They've they got to focus on building their church, keeping their doors open, their people happy. There's so much going on that it's like this seems impossible, but yet Jesus said in John 17, this is how the world's going to know. Th- this is how the world's going to know when you guys can figure it out and you c- can get together. But I'm telling you, day after day, moment after moment, driving to St. Peter's to talk to that class. I didn't want to go. I'm like calling my friends saying, I don't want to go. Will you pray for me? (laughs) But if I didn't go, the dominoes, you can see what God did. John the Baptist is out there, and they say, who are you? what's, What's going on? And I love his response, and I'm not going to give you the full thing, but He's sitting there, and if he's, if he's, when he's sitting there, they say, who are you? Why are you out here? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why, why is this? Well, we know that the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40 talked about John the Baptist, that he would be the one in the wilderness. He'd be the one crying out. So if I'm in that moment, I'd want to say, hey, guys, your, your own prophet Isaiah, he, he talked about me, so why, why do I got to tell you who I am? And then if I'm sitting there, I would want to say, hey, you know my dad? You guys know, know Zechariah? He was in the temple, and all of a sudden an angel appeared, and he got freaked out. You can read about it in Luke 1, and talked about who this John was going to be, his son was going to be. In fact, he told him his name's going to be John. And think about this. John the Baptist, his dad was in the temple, but he was called to do something else. He was called by a different name. And there's some of you in here who have thought, well, I can never do that because no one in my family has ever done that. i I'm not, I got to be like them. Well, John the Baptist wasn't a priest in the temple. He was a crazy guy in the wilderness calling out, but he was preparing the way for Jesus. See, everything God has placed in your life, every gift he's given you is to prepare the way for Jesus. If it's in business, it's to prepare the way for Jesus. If it's in education, it's to prepare the way for Jesus. If it's to live in South City for me, it's to prepare the way for Jesus. If it's to pray all across the, the region to meet leaders, it's to prepare the way. We're all supposed to be crying out in our areas where God's placed us to prepare the way for Jesus, for Jesus to come and your families, whatever it looks like. If I'm John the Baptist, I'm like, "Hey, didn't you know I had an angel that talked about me? I'm a pretty big deal. You guys shouldn't be surprised. Even when he was born, his family talked about him, and they said, hey, there's, there's no one by that name. What? And then his dad said, hey, his name's going to be John. Actually, he didn't say it was going to be John because he couldn't speak. He, he, he was speechless, not because he wanted to be, because of his unbelief until he wrote down that his name would be John. He couldn't even testify to what God was going to do. But the family's like, "Man, what's this child going to be?" Zechariah wrote a song about him. It was said that he'd have the spirit of Elijah on him. I mean, everybody was talking about John the Baptist from, from way back until that moment, everywhere it was about John the Baptist. People are asking him who he is. And then I love what Jesus said about John the Baptist in Luke 7:24. After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man do you go in the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you of all who have ever lived... None is greater than John, yet even the least person in the kingdom is greater than he is. I love that because it's the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12. It's like, hey, you think he's the greatest? Actually, he's he's the least. You, You think he's had all these words and all this stuff and everything points to him? But his whole thing was, when he responds, this is how. John responds, and this is what I want to encourage you with today, is as you follow Jesus, as you live by his Holy Spirit, as he gives you gifts to be who you've called to be, there's this weird paradox where John the Baptist had to be John the Baptist. He had to do what God called him to do. Peter had to be Peter. Paul had to be Paul. Everyone had to be who they're called to be. But at the same time, they had to fully be that, but realize they weren't the way, but they were preparing the, the way for Jesus, that Jesus is the way no matter what we do. Jesus is the way, but we got to prepare the way and be all that God's called us to be. But when Jesus shows up, then we got to get out of the way. we got to move out of the way and give him center stage. But we got to be confident in why would he give you gifts and why would he give you purpose and why would he give you prophetic words and why would he put callings on your life for you not to do them? Why would he do that so you could just not do it? He wants to get glory from your life and his presence on your life. But here's how John responds, and I love this, because there's a temptation once people actually see you and your ministry grows that you want to take the glory and you want to take the credit because of the gifts that you have that you didn't even get that someone else gave you, <laughs> which is Holy Spirit. So they come and they say, who are you? He said, I'm not the Messiah. He didn't debate about it. He didn't think about it. He didn't, he didn't say, well, I'd like to be the Messiah. Or, You know, he said, I'm not the Messiah. They ask again, who are you? Are you Elijah? Now, he had the spirit of Elijah on him, and his answer was no. Didn't debate it. Didn't talk about it. Didn't, didn't go around it. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. They're getting pretty mad at him at this point. We came all the way here. We drove all the way to Hillsboro to hear about this church crying out for God in the wilderness, and now they won't even give us an answer of who they are. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? I love this. John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. Did you catch that? What do you have to say about yourself? I actually got nothing to say about myself. I just want to say what Isaiah said about me. (laughs) I'm not actually going to talk about who I am. I'm going to have other people say about it. I'm not going to defend myself about myself. I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? Basically, you don't fit in our box. You don't fit in our plan. We don't know where to put you. And we got to figure out why you're doing what you're doing and why it's working. (laughs) And here's what he told them I baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. This encounter took place in the Bethany area east of the Jordan River. Where John was baptizing. Now, get this: John, in all purposes, is successful. He, you know, we know him as John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. He's out there baptizing people. People are coming from all around. He's not going to them; they're coming to him. They're being baptized left and right, left and right. And this, these people come and they they want to know who he is, and they want him to defend himself, and they want they want him to to fit in their plan. And he actually says. He doesn't talk about how great he is at baptizing people. He doesn't talk about how great his ministry is. He said, the one I want you to know and the one you're looking for, he's like, he's standing among you and you don't even know it. And everything we do, filled by his spirit, led by his spirit, gifted by his spirit, when Jesus shows up, whatever we're doing, then we got to point people to Jesus. The Bible says when Jesus is lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. All we want in our lives is to be a mirror that reflects the glory of Jesus wherever we go. And it's not prideful to use the gifts because without them we can't do it. But we've got to abide in the vine and remember everything we do is to prepare the way for Jesus. We never are the way. We never are the voice. We're a voice for the voice. But I'm not the voice. I'm not the way. I'm not the truth. I'm not the life. And as a church, he's calling you to be a voice in the wilderness. He's, he's calling you to prepare the way for Jesus. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but but he's giving you plans and purposes, and he's just, he, he just wants you to get with the program. Like John the Baptist, there was a certain time where, where John had to go, and he had to be ready, and he had to step into what God's called him to do, and he probably didn't feel like he was ready. I'll tell you what, when I started prayer walking through those 79 neighborhoods, I didn't feel like I was ready. I actually didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't know that God would lead me to call a day next March 14th where we'd fill all of the streets at the same time in every neighborhood with prayer. I I didn't have Z. I had A. What will you do with A, what God's given you? Will you step out with the thing that he told you to do? If you don't know what it is, what's the last thing he told you to do, and have you done it? No matter if it makes sense, no matter if everyone's cheering you on, Oh, yeah, when you get on the news, everyone wants to give you a high five, and it's exciting and all that. But let me tell you the reality. That news story ran on a Thursday. On Saturday morning, we were back praying because we pray every Saturday in an area of the city that has 80% of the homicides in it. And we're praying there every week because we believe in one year that the statistics are going to drop. And my friend actually met a homicide detective, and we believe he's going to be the witness to tell St. Louis that the statistics. I can't say the word, but statistics have dropped because we're praying there every week. But you get 150 shares on Facebook on Thursday and everyone cheering you on and everyone texting you. But on Saturday morning, two days later, when you're out praying, you're praying with the same three people. So who are you? You're still a voice in the wilderness. You're still crying out for God. You're still going to be faithful, and it doesn't matter the results, but we walk by faith in what God's called us to do even when it doesn't make sense, even if it never makes sense. My life is definitely not a straight line. I don't know about yours. Twists, turns, ups, downs, highs, lows, 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 lows. Not the store. Lows. Want to give up? Want to quit? Doesn't make sense. God, how are you going to do this? No one else is doing this. But is he worthy? Is his presence enough? <laughs> Has he given you enough? He's actually had his, his spirit, and he could have put it anywhere, but he put it inside of you. It used to be in a building, but now it's in each one of you. As you carry his presence wherever you go. And he's given you a voice, and he's given you a purpose, and he's given you a plan, and yeah, it doesn't make sense, but why would you want anyone else's plan? He's, he's such a loving, personal, caring God that he can speak to you, and he says, my sheep hear my voice. They, they know my name. They're not going to listen to another. And some of us, yeah, we like to wander. We like to be free. Some of us, we just like to stay in the pen where there's food and shelter and water. And there were a variety of people. But he's the good shepherd, and he wants to call you forth. And John the Baptist knew. He said, you know what? I'm preparing the way. Uh, I'm going to get with the program. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to prepare the way. So I, I just want to pray for us this morning. I could say a lot more things, but I feel like that's what Holy Spirit wants me to say. So I just want to pray for you. Pray for us. Jesus, I just I uh, thank you for this group, God. I thank you. God, I thank you even in the natural, God, for how this room is set up, God, that there's purposes and plans for this room and the way that it's designed and the way that it's built, God, and it's not by accident and it's not just because it's different, God, but I, I know there's things you want to do here, God. There's things you want to move here, God. There's there's things, God, in this place what at times might feel like the wilderness that might seem unseen God that I know there's missionaries in the house God and missionaries are sent God so I thank you for what you're doing God and I just pray today Holy Spirit by your spirit God that you will give these people God eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive God what what you have for them God that there wouldn't be fear in what you're calling them to do because it's unknown but there would be faith because what if God you actually did the thing you said you were going to do what if you actually showed up God and did the thing that no one's seen before in this area in this region, God, for such a time as this, God, what if you use people in this room, God, that thought they could never be used by you, that, that no one else is looking at, God, but heaven is looking at today, Jesus. I thank you that you're looking at your sons and your daughters, God, and it doesn't matter age, and it doesn't matter background. You're looking at them saying, I want to use you. I want to I use you as a voice. I want to give you the gifts you need. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want you to walk in the spirit, and I want you to not grow weary in doing good. Don't lose heart, because you're going to reap a harvest. Oh, Jesus, we do declare. We've declared it in this place already, but the harvest is plentiful, God. There's enough labors in this room, God, to shake Hillsboro, God, and shake this region, God. they're, They're here, God, so Holy Spirit, we just ask for your presence to move among them, God. Oh, and I just, I see Jesus today, just things that were written down, things maybe in journals, things put on the shelf that you thought, Oh, that will never come to pass, maybe in a different season, maybe in a different stage of life. I just see Jesus handing you those things back today and dusting them off and just handing you the book and say, I haven't forgotten about this. Don't, don't forget about this. I remember about this when I spoke to you, my daughter, when I spoke to you, my son. Uh, I still want you to do it. it's it's not over, it's not done. it's not it's not past. There's no expiration date in the kingdom. it's it's now, God. I ask that you would re- release them with the things that are now, God, the things that you would bring to remembrance right now, God. I, I pray you'll bring back testimonies of your goodness and your faithfulness. Right now, God, I, I pray for hope, God. Hope beyond hope beyond any measure, God would would fill their lives right now that, that what they've seen isn't all there is, that there's more in the days to come. There's even more this day in this house, in this moment, God. Oh Holy Spirit, would you do something in this place and from this place, God? In this place and from this place, God, to impact. Jerusalem Judea Samaria and the ends of the earth and may they be a people that wait for the Holy Spirit to come but then when the Holy Spirit comes that you you couldn't hold them in a building you couldn't hold them in a service they would be set free all across this region all across this county God filled with your Holy Spirit preaching your gospel seeing the kingdom of God come and people being baptized and turning from their sins God and it wouldn't just be about building this church God because I know they care for the kingdom And that your kingdom would come and your will would be done, God. Oh, God, you haven't forgotten them. You haven't haven't left them out, God. You're placing them in your hands. You're placing them in your heart today. Oh, your purposes today are, are, are alive in this place, God. God, I ask that you turn hearts back to you, that you restore. The love of their salvation, that, that day that you called, the day that you broke in, that day that the blood spoke a better word in their life, that day when they turned from darkness to light, that their, their hearts would be aflame, they would be ablaze, they would, they would be on fire. You don't want us lukewarm or cold, God, but you want us on fire. Your love, God, your love, your love that, that can't be quenched, that can't put, be put out no matter a thousand waters, God. God, every person in this room, God, you have something for them today. Not only something, but someone, Jesus. So, Jesus, I ask right now that you would just meet them right where they're at, God. That it wouldn't just be a a Sunday as usual, God, but it, it would be the thinnest veil between heaven and earth right now in this place. That we would be around your throne and we would be worshiping you and you would be enough, God, but whatever you said, it'd be Isaiah 6, that who will go, and we would be the people that would go. This would be the people that will go with no fear, full of faith, bold, courageous, filled with the Spirit, God, the, the Spirit in them and on them and around them, and they would just go, and they wouldn't know the plan, but you are the plan, God. Your presence is the plan, and we want to get with the program today. We, wanna, we don't want to be late. We don't want to be early. We want to be on time with you, God. And so, Holy Spirit, as we sit here, we just declare, not by words and not by talk, but by my spirit, says the Lord, by my spirit today, God, by your spirit, by your spirit to move. Oh, and forgive us, God, when we've tried to do it on our own, when we tried to figure it out on our own, when, we, when you told us and we said, no, we got a better way, God, we'll figure it out, we'll make it happen. We'll show you, God. We'll show you how strong we are, how educated we are, how mighty we are. Oh, God, we just repent for that today, God. We want to know you, God. We want to follow you. We want to go where you're going, see what you're seeing, do what you're doing, say what you're saying. Be who you've called us to be. So would you do that right now in hearts, God? It's, It's from the inside out, God. It's an inside job today. God, my words are nothing without your power, God, without your spirit. So move in this place as we still our hearts before you for a few moments, God.